<laughs> I've always been nuts out. Yeah, this, uh, well, no, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if you're a nuts in, nuts out person, you're installing the wrong deck. Welcome back to The Electrician Show. We have a hot topic to talk about tonight, and we've brought in a big hitter from the world of education. It's not Neil, sorry, mate. Get your arms down. Rude. We've got Craig with us from Walthamstow College. So first off, mate, how are you tonight? Yeah, good, thanks. You? Yeah, I'm cracking. I'm cracking. It's uh, an interesting topic, this one. So we're going to talk about the domestic electrician apprenticeship with Neil with us as well, mate. How are you? Yeah, mate, very well. I'm looking forward to this. I'm to be honest and open and honest with everyone who's listening and or watching. Um, I don't know much about it, so I'm going to be a bit of a... I'm going to be asking some questions that I hope would be on everyone's mind who doesn't really know much about it. And I look at used to industry experts to give us as clear, concise as you can with your northern accents, um, a view on the subject. Get the subtitles whacked up, mate. I think you're going to need them on this one. Uh, yeah, you're right, actually. So if you are on uh, YouTube, there's a little hit the CC uh, tab at the bottom of your screen and they will translate what these two are saying. So no problem. <laughs> now, so I think primarily this has been a hot topic, hasn't it, across social media? I've been sharing a bit out of it this week. I popped a post up on Instagram. So today is the 23rd of November asking for a bit of uh, people's opinions, what they think about the outline of it, if it's a good or a bad thing. And I thought, you know, with you guys, we can chat through what is actually been suggested, what it looks like, um, and make our own minds up on it along the journey, because I'm not 100% sure on what I think about it. So, what are we talking about? What is it we're talking about? Go on, Craig. So, at the minute, the City and Guilds, well, it's actually come from the ECA. They've proposed that the old domestic installer that needs to be looked at and they're now proposing a domestic apprenticeship, which will be the same standard as what is currently the electrical standard, but it'll have one year less and it won't require as many of the sort of containment parts that's currently planned in the current electrical standard if people are not using that in a domestic property. And it's to try and, my understanding is just to try and clear up the difference between the two roles, because obviously we've had the old standard of domestic installers, which would have previously been a sort of part P course and a version of their regs with an inspection and testing qualification, that then would have allowed them to get registered with NIC, NAPA or any of the others to then go and work in people's houses, but not site. The electrical standard obviously allows people to gain the gold card as we know it currently, and that allows them to kind of work across any part of the industry the argument, I guess, being now is when all of the regulations changed at the start of September about people needing to do an MVQ, that spurred on the fact for this domestic installer standard to come into place to try and deal with that market, I guess. Right. So as we all know, in the electrical industry, we've got this bit of a weird situation in where to work in someone's house, you don't need a thing. You don't need to be qualified or competent. Um, well, if you're going to talk about the Health and Safety at Work Act, yeah, but you know what? If you're, if you're Bob in the pub, you can go and work for Steve, your mate in the pub, in his house, and do what you like, and there's no real ramifications unless you seriously hurt, cause a fire, or kill someone, yeah? But then we've got this sort of middle area, haven't we, where this is sort of 
best way known is the domestic installer scheme, which all the CPSs run. It's not unique to any CPS, I believe. Is that correct in NEPIT? Have they got the yeah, they, they, they've they all got it, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 not um not one CPS base where you've got this sort of ground where if you want to use someone accredited and if you want to go through building control, then you're gonna to need to use a CPS of some sort, either full scope or domestic installer. Now to become a domestic installer, you still don't have to be what the industry would term, I think in the majority of circles, fully qualified in air quotes, okay? So that would be your NVQ3 and theory equivalent, um, site experience packaged up to whatever the city and guilds number is these days, 2357? Yeah, if you're an adult or an two, three, four, right, okay, and there'll be equivalents to uh, depend on what stage of I suppose your your learning is, is at, and you would then get a gold card, or you would be eligible for a gold card. You don't you do not need a gold card to work outside of a construction site. So then we get this other section, where so now we've got the soddle section, we've got the bit in between the domestic installer section. We don't really need to be fully qualified, but you can do a bit. Um, then you've got this end section that we. I, I think the I, I think is sort of the goal I think of everyone within the industry I'd like to think that is the goal where you want to get to you've done your full apprenticeship you've got your 2357 or equivalent and you have uh, got access to any commercial industrial or domestic um, building site in the country because without a ECS CSCS card or an ECS card you don't you, you're not you shouldn't be working on a site um, and what I was also going to say with the nonsense of the middle bit, the domestic installer bit, is that you can work in someone's house, but you can't build it because you can't work on the construction site. <laughs> so you've got this crazy sort of system, you know, where, to be honest with you, only one end of it makes sense, and that's the sort of, I'm going to, I'm, for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to use it as the gold card route. I know you don't need a gold card, but... When I say gold card, I mean gold card or you meet that criteria of what would get you a gold card for the sake of an argument, okay? That seems to be the catch-all of you can do anything in there. The other, all the others have got limitations. Um, the JRB who run the gold card, the ECS card, electrical certification scheme, um, don't recognise any of the domestic installer routes as legible to qualify for one of their gold cards, correct? Right. Yeah. yeah. And this is what's coming up. So pushed by the ECA, interesting. ECA, GRB, same people, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, TESPA are asking for some feedback on this now. So before we get right into the meat and bones of it, if anyone does want to get involved in the consultation and comment on this, it's on the TESP website. Um, one of their first news articles, you can go on there, read the actual specification that they've put forward and offer feedback um, into it. And they've actually defined, defined the broad purpose of this in that document. And it says here that it's working in residential, new or existing, um, domestic electrician will focus on the installation of new, upgrade or repair existing cables and equipment to enable safe and reliable distributed electricity within the premises. So that's rather a complicated way of saying you're going to go and work in someone's house. And there are some limiting factors to it where they say... Why it's do they to, do it? Why do they do it? I know, it's mad, isn't it? Um, where it's up to 230 volts. Now, as we know, as we're moving towards this more um, electrical consumption in the home, people are speculating on maybe three-phase supplies ending up in a domestic setting. So this is focusing only at 230 volts at the minute, as far as the consultation um, is set. And also that 
whilst you can get a gold card, it is going to be defined as a domestic electrician's gold card, which really means it's sort of the level three qualification. And while there are bits of it that are removed, like Craig has said, so there's going to be containment elements and bits that are more focused on commercial industrial uh, sectors, there are also add-ins as well specific to domestic to do with EV and solar, stuff that I don't think is covered in great depth on a current apprenticeship. Is that right, Craig? Yeah, they're not, to be honest. They might, depending on who you work with as an employer, then you might, you know, get some hands-on experience, but they're not an assessed part of the current apprenticeship framework. So that's kind of potluck on who you work for in that regard to more modern technology, if you like. More of a specialism, isn't it? Specialism after you leave, after you've done your core training. Yeah. And so, so, so just one second. So who is TESP? And where do they fit into this in terms of, are they linked to the ECA in any way or the GRB in any way? Yeah. Where do they fit in and what is their angle? And I say that because I absolutely do not know the answer. I think we mentioned this on the last, last one we recorded, mate. it might not be out yet, but it's the <laughs> Electrotechnical Skills Partnership. And I think- Yeah, I know that bit. I know that bit. It involves <laughs> bits of industry. Certainly the ECA are a big player in that. Craig might know more than me on that one. I don't know. How, but do you know anything about it, Craig? No, I think they're just a body trying to help support a movement to improve the standards of the industry is my understanding of it in the sort of for my simple mind, if you like. I don't know the ins and outs of who's on the boards and who's doing what, but I think they're just generally trying to promote a better standard, if you like. Yeah, same. I mean, I've seen Ruth Devine across LinkedIn um, posting extensively about them. Uh, they're doing the rogue trainers thing as well. So they're really getting involved in this to try and um, raise discussion, which is great. You know, we're all, I'm already seeing on social media a bit of split on this. There's people who are, this is a terrible idea. It's de-skilling and all the usual arguments that we often hear about short courses. And then other people who are a bit more pragmatic saying, actually, this could be a good thing. It's still over three years. Um, it's going to build high quality focused workers for a specific sector in the industry. So there is that split. And I'm kind of leaning more towards the, the pragmatic side at the minute than it's a, a de-skilling exercise. I think it's a step in the right direction to try and offer a more bespoke training route for people in the domestic sector. Because there's lots of people who will go and work in that place and have no intention of working anywhere else. If you're going to set up doing solar and EV in domestic premises, you know, the demand there is going to keep you very, very busy. And the argument from some people is, well, at some stage, you'll get tempted to step into that commercial zone and um, where three-phase can be involved and bigger, more complex installations. But it actually defines it very clearly in the standard, if you read it, that when you undertake this training, you need to be made aware of the limitations of that training and the actual work you can carry out. So they're actually setting it out in the document. Um, it's, you know, it's quite an interesting read. It's not a massive, massive read. Um, and it goes on to talk about all the different skills elements that you would need to meet, the training requirements. And, and there's loads of different places you can spill off into this. Obviously, training centres like Craig are going to need some investment. If you've got to start training in solar and EV, you're going to have to have some rigs, I would imagine, in the classroom that you currently don't have. Yeah, and investment is obviously a part of it that we, you know, as we always do in colleges, need manufacturers and stuff to be coming forwards and helping and supporting with because the way the, way the education system is currently, we are just not going to have that chunk of money for investment. But when they done the video with um, Gary at EFEX, the ECA actually spoke about the fact that they are working with people now to help with investment into those materials to make sure that training providers can provide it. And for me, I think, and I'll 
you know, get slated or whatever for this. But I think people are matching this against the wrong outcome because everybody's looking at this against the current electrical standard for the apprenticeship. But what this is actually talking about is replacing your short courses, your part P building regs to be a domestic installer and making that an MVQ and an apprenticeship. And I think when you look at it from that side of the angle of it's now removing short courses or other bits and pieces and making it an apprenticeship and making it a legitimate training scenario, for me, that has to only make it better. We do need to iron out the creases of what's contained, but if we're comparing apples for apples and we're comparing short courses to now being an apprenticeship, not an apprenticeship against what is the current standard, in my opinion. I think you're right. And I think on the face of it, people will just see, oh, it's a, it's a way for a domestic... So what I think they've done wrong is they've, they've announced they're going to get a gold card. That's going to confuse everyone. That People are going to see domestic-only uh, apprenticeship equals gold card. That's what they are going to see. They're the words that are going to jump out to them. So they've already need to speak to their people, package this up and go, right, did we really want to put that out as the initial consultation? Why can't we have a grey card or a, um, a blue card or something that differentiates the two schemes? I know it may have domestic written on it, but chances are you're going to walk in with your card and you're going to go, yeah, gold card, mate. And you're going to go into any site you want. That's then going to drive the rates down for the people that are working on site and that's going to piss everyone off. So I think that's something they've got to look at because no one's going to look, not no one, it's not fair to say, but a lot of people are going to see domestic gold card and get the ump. Yeah, there definitely needs to maybe some education on what that card means. But I think we sometimes we get a bit bogged down with a gold card in the electrical industry. It does apply to other trades as well. So you have a, you have a gold card and Craig spoke about this actually on the little apprentice one-to-one discard the other day where it actually um, applies to other sectors too, um, where you can have a gold card. So, you know, this is something that we may need to maybe educate ourselves on as well as the wider construction industry. It's not I mean, going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, it happen. Somebody said you could have a grey or a pink card or whatever, something to just differentiate it. Just you said grey, Craig O'Neill said pink. So I think it's one of those <laughs> where you might want to set it out differently. But I guess ultimately they've probably got certain standards and, and technical reasons why they have to make it gold. I would think there must be a reason. Um, and the fact that we're all talking about it now is a good thing. They are putting it out there. They're asking for input. That eFix uh, video that Craig's just referenced then is brilliant. If you've not watched that, go and check it out. Gary speaks to a, a lecturer similar to Craig himself and also a gentleman from the ECA. Um, they even explain that there is plans for a top-up of some additional training. So you can take your domestic electrician apprenticeship and turn it into a full-on apprenticeship. You know, and I would imagine that that would include an extra year or two on top of the training you've already had to make that happen. I think that's a good point in terms of people watching, listening. Don't please don't judge your feedback on this podcast. We're just chewing the fact it's a podcast. We're having a discussion. I'm certainly looking to learn from it. Um, please do your research and come up to your own conclusions and give your own feedback. Um, don't ever listen to one source of anyone's opinion because um, that's just a bad life skill. I've done, look, I've done a little look at who tests bar. So um, just just for open open and honesty, that, so it's it's basically a, it's including the name. It's basically a partnership, but the members of that partnership are the ECA, the JRB, the NET, Select, and Unite the Union. So it's pretty much the ECA and JRB um, <laughs> under a different name, um, under a different push. So I think, and, and they're not hiding that information. That information is on their website it's, uh, for everyone to see. I'm not not. 
not accusing any anyone of of trying to hide that it's there but um i think it's important that we understand where these because it's got the eca and the job but they are so entwined in everything and um it does rub a lot of people up the wrong way whether that's whether that's fair or not and i'm not my, i'm not casting no judgment on whether it's fair or not um but it for them to be sending out a consultation on something that they've proposed, I think that's going to be seen as a little bit maybe, I don't know. But for me, somebody's got to step up and say something because like, I look at like some of the things you and Mark do and I wouldn't say that an everyday spark, and I include myself in this, could all of a sudden jump on the railway and start doing everything that you do and when Mark's doing his stuff on the bases, like it's... Depends what YouTube channel you watch. <laughs> you know, I think we, I think we do have to realise that electrical is such a broad brush that we maybe do have to start segmenting. And I'm not going as far as to say you have to do containment and do this, or you have to, you know, be specific. But at the minute, what we're saying is, you go and potentially do a short course. You then go and do what's currently being sold as four days as a solar install course or two days as an EV charging course. So if you spend probably a total of 12 weeks and enough money, you can effectively go and install pretty much anything in anybody's house and saying, that's okay. I imagine I couldn't spend 12 weeks and then all of a sudden go that's it. I'm able to be trackside and work on the rail or, you know, get through the vet and to be on the MOD basis at markers. It's, I think we do have to at some point go, there's bits to this we probably do need to look at and specialise in and work on if we are going to just focus on those areas. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. And, and I, I, like I said at the beginning, I'm off, off, off uh, before I press the call, but I'm, I'm here to try and play the devil's advocate. I'm trying to push it. And I, I think, if I'm honest with myself, I think this is a, a good step. Um, but I think it's very much dependent on the CPS schemes CPS schemes, that does make sense. The CPSs um, then saying to their members that uh, what they're going to say to the members that haven't got it, but are domestic installers. Well, they have they're, started, they've started talking about grandfather rights. They've started talking about there being a requirement to do something alongside to bring it up to the fact where they are ineligible to get the domestic installer gold card. So mm -hmm. there is there is murmurs, if you like, that everybody working in that environment would need to have a gold card. And I imagine it's much like the current standard, you know, experienced worker that you can go on now if you've got more than five years in the industry, I think it is, you can collate a portfolio of evidence and that portfolio then allows you to map over to a gold card. It's With the AM2? Yes, you have to do yeah. the AM2, yeah. And the AM2 is planned to be as part of this domestic one as well, but just a different version of the AM2. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, there'll be some sort of experienced worker that I gather that will then allow people to map over to it and gain that gold card themselves, I guess. Yeah, fill in the gaps of the training, weren't they, I would imagine, from bits that they've missed out. And while we're speaking about it, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but it's actually a three-year apprenticeship. It's going to be a yeah. level three qualification. So, I mean, this is serious. It's it's not something that you can just go off and achieve in 20 weeks even. You know, this is an investment of your time. You're still going to be out with an employer, I would expect, where you're going to be learning out on site in the college as well. That's quite a long time to, to get trained up in the domestic only um, at sector. I think that's um, a positive to it. And it is, again, applies across industry, doesn't it? We've had little breakaways 
in our trade for quite a while. You know, there was pat testing that split out and became its own little thing. There's alarms and security, fire alarms. You know, all these little things have kind of pulled away over the years. And maybe we do need to kind of focus in just on domestic. It is a big part of the marketplace, isn't it? It's huge. There's loads of people who work in that space solely already. Mm. Um, providing training that's actually going to help them qualify and understand what they need to be doing. Um, in my opinion, is a fantastic thing. Um, I don't think we should be knocking it as long as it's set up in a way that if you want to step up to do these other things and end up working in rail or whatever, that you understand you have to take additional training and those courses are in place where you can do that properly. And it's not just a case of running off to go and do a three-day little top-up training session somewhere and handing over a £1,000 and then shooting up on the railway because that's ridiculous. We need to kind of tackle this as a, as a whole. And this is a stepping stone towards something that's better, I think. So, in terms of, do you think there's any? Is there anything in the in the paperwork and the and what's been proposed for a bridging qualification between the, the domestic and industrial sector? Yeah, so they haven't specified exactly what that will look like yet, but the outline does say there will be options for a bridging unit. And what it seems like is it will basically make the apprenticeship from where it's three years at the minute, maybe minus all the containment and things that are commercial industrial that would be what would be your final year if you like to then top up across and have to gather an MVQ of evidence of all the bits you didn't do on your first time through the apprenticeship. Mm. And a lot of the standards and statements that they've put in this document are um, contextualized is the word they use from the BSI core competence, BSI flex document that you referenced a while ago, Neil. So a lot of this is, is coming out of that and being transferred into this. So it's BSI flex popping its mm-hmm. head up again you know, in and around all of this. So I think there is a, a shift in the industry from lots of the main players, if you like. Um, it's not just the ECA and Unite the Union. You've got the IET as well, who are making moves with the Tech electrician. You know, there is a big focus now on training, I think, um, because finally it seems we do have an acceptance that perhaps we've not been doing the right thing, especially in the domestic marketplace. And my hope is that some of these CPSs and training providers who've led to that situation are going to help some of these people who have to fill in the training gaps to get their domestic apprentice electrician gold card. Um, yeah, I'm right. not sure. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> There's got to be some ownership to it, hasn't it? We can't just turn around, I don't think, and say, this is the new way we're going to do it. It's going to solve a lot of the problems and kind of disregard everything that's been going on with no acceptance to trying to you know, rectify some of that. There has to be something there from industry to help some of these people. We've had training missold, I think. No, what do you reckon? I think Craig, what said in terms of the, um, in terms of recognising some of their historical achievements in terms of their workflow, would be good. So you know, they may well just be able to submit five or say, say a scaled down version, three years of work evidence, and go and sit at domestic AM two. I think that would be a fair route for everyone, but you are going to have people that go, you know what, I don't want to pay you a £1,000 to tell you what I already know. You are going to have that, and, you're going to, and the industry's got to push back against that and say, sorry, this is where we're at. You know, to do what I do, I've got to do money every year to prove I'm competent. It's ridiculous. You know, I'll be, I'm competent on day 365, but I'm not competent the next day, which is the new year. You know, it's just, uh, that's, that's the nature of the beast, and we've got to price our business and price our rates to allow for that. You know? The big bit that people miss on this, I think, when we look at this conversation, because it's fine when we're sort of in our scenario, you know, we've all qualified, we've got our experience doing that stuff, but we forget sometimes when 
these debates are going on on social media to look at the learners and people trying to enter the industry. And actually, if somebody knows they want to be a domestic electrician and they know that that's all they're going to do and they don't want to enter sites and rail and everything else, then is it fair on the learner to then make them learn a whole set of stuff that they're possibly never going to do again that possibly puts them off getting the gold card and pushes them towards some sort of short course? And Great point. Does this maybe help stop some of that? It's a great point, and I'm sure he won't mind. But that's what Nick Bundy says many times on his uh, on his on his uh, channel that he's not in. Excuse me, he's not interested in going outside domestic. You know, and there are going to be many, 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 many people like him probably. You know, um, so that's a that's actually a great point, and something I've not thought about. It, it gives some sort of hopes, probably not the right word, but some sort of respect to the people that are going down that road. I go, you know what? I want to be a respected domestic electrician. I want to do it properly. I want to get trained properly. I want to find out what's the good points, what's the bad points. And I'm going to work for it. I'm going to do me two or three years and come out with something I'm proud of. I think that's yeah. a great, great point. Great point. Well it's made. a fantastic point. And Nick actually mentioned it on Monday Club that I was last on. We spoke about it. And he said if that had been available at the time he was training, that would have been right up his street. He would have been well happy to have done that. Um, so, yeah, it's a fantastic point, Greg. We do need to reference the learners, what people actually want to take on their training journey. And that needs to have a big part in this decision and consultation. So hopefully the apprentices who are following me on social media are going to get involved in the comments back. To yeah, yeah. Test. But that's one thing I want to keep emphasizing over and over. And I've been doing it a lot this week. If you do have an opinion, if you think it's terrible or you think it's great or you think actually, you know, a little change here or there, get involved. It's our chance to have a say. They often moan about stuff. They're asking for an opinion. Let's give one. Mm. And they will listen, I think, because this, you know, they've promoted this in such a big way that, let's be honest, the GIB and the ECA can't afford for this not to go well. So they have to listen to people's opinion. They have to take it on board. And it may be, maybe in a roundabout way, this will help the current apprenticeship standard because maybe it's time for the current apprenticeship standard to look at solar, EV charging, Maybe the AM2 that's 20 years old maybe needs to be updated to reflect what we actually do in the industry now and not yeah. using parts of the equipment that you would never see in an industrial or commercial setting anymore. Sort out your safe isolation procedure. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't safe isolation. <laughs> if you're watching the apprentices, do it as the NIT, NIT say, not as I say. Because you need to pass that. And do it as I say, you will fail. <laughs> And it, it might make people a bit more accountable and a bit more forward in their thinking. I think, like, I really, I really struggle with AM2, and I know it's maybe a bit off topic, but on one hand, I think it's really good that everyone's got the same kind of final market to go through. But on the other hand, it's so cloak and dagger with such a unique pass mark. I don't see why it needs to be in that manner, because at the end of the day, if you can't test before you get there, you're not going to pass the test, and even if you know what you've got to test. And it's just... I think we need to be a bit more open and a bit more modern moving and maybe adjust with the times. And that's the same, not just in AM2, but with City and Guilds, which is what we deliver. Their qualifications are still talking about direct online starters and different bits and pieces that generally there's more modern ways of installing and working with. Well, City and Guilds are not even offering a, they're not even offering a, a solar course at the moment. How bonkers is that? Is that right through, really? Yeah, so I've tried to go on solar course. And I want, so we're looking at doing some solar stuff on the railways. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's only... Oh, who is it? There's, yeah. there's BPEC. 
what was it say again, Craig? BPEC. BPEC. They're the only people that do solar courses. And it's because the way the solar industry is, and I haven't done solar, so I'm not an expert, but my understanding of solar is that you have to be registered, not just as having done the course, but registered with complying with some of the solar sort of specific governing bodies and things. And at the minute, the only industry that, or the only qualification they recognize to be delivered to gain your accreditation is the BPEC one that you go on. So if you go on a solar course, it's not BPEC accredited as far as I'm aware, you'll learn solar, but you won't be able to actually go and install it anyway. And I'm just going to do a little bit of a um, shout out here because uh, trade skills for you. Now, they get quite a bad press in the electrical industry. Is it fair to say? Yeah. yeah. They're the, so the BPEC course is four days. Trade skills for you were the only provider I could find that went above and beyond and done the five days, which the fifth day was practical install. Now, I'm not saying that's unique, but they're the only ones I could find. And I thought, you know what? Credit where credit's due. Uh, a lot of trainers do, just do as per minimum. Um, but yeah, they go. They actually do a whole, which is it's a twenty five percent extra time. That's a lot of time. So I was quite, I, I was quite impressed with that. And I will be booking you trade skills for you. So watch out. Um, I think Jordan went there to do it, didn't he? He did a video of visiting and taking his training. Because he spent most of the time in the hotel. Yeah, the video was just like basically just the hotel room, wasn't it? it was. Yeah, but you bought you bought him a coffee, didn't you? <laughs> well, me. <laughs> No, I've, so, never bought, I've never bought anyone a coffee in my life. How dare you? <laughs> I've been looking at the same though, Neil, getting on this course. I quite fancy putting solar on my place. And um, I've had, had the same, finding somewhere to go and do the training. Not so much to get the um, electrical side of things covered. I'm more worried about mounting panels on roofs exactly. and things yeah, like yeah. that. I want some practical training of yeah. understanding like how you do that and um, what's appropriate. Mm, there's loads of YouTube content out there. It's really good, but... Just, I just want to get hands on and just do a bit, and you know, it's uh, yeah, been, so. sorry, I was going to say, I've been to the trade school center at Gatwick, yeah. and they have built um, a roof there, haven't they? Yeah. They've built a roof and doors that you then spend time installing all the panels on and testing on there with all the scaffold around it. So, that it is you know, it is a good look for them to work on that and make sure people do practice it before they leave. And I think that's one of the main differences at BPEC mandating their course to others is that it has to involve time actually doing some of the install. Well, I don't think it does. I think that's what I mean. I think most of the BPECs were four days, but trade skills for you was the five days and the fifth day was on was out like doing stuff on the tools. Uh, I may be wrong, but that's what I sort of got from my looking about because most of the BPEC courses were four days, but trade skills one was five days, which is I thought I just thought, you know what, that's that's a, and I will go the extra trip for that because I want that hands-on experience to do it. And um, I want the guys to have the hands-on experience because you don't want your first installation to be on someone's, someone who's paying you to be there. You know, no. I, don't, I don't think that's right. Um, no. uh, and there are other ways to do it. You can sort of, I suppose you can shadow other people, but then you know, that's not always convenient. And it's not always a good look for them either. I've got to, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. I mean, that just shows how some people might approach this domestic um, apprenticeship course. You want to actually get the right training to do so in the right yeah. way. <laughs> and, and I think other people will be sat looking at this thinking the same who aren't currently in the industry. You know, as, as Craig referenced, I think that's 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 a, such an important thing. Um, so, yeah, you've just described someone's chain of thought who might be looking at this domestic apprenticeship. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. 
I think I just solved it, haven't I? I should get on that. Um, I should get on to TESP, I think. I should have my own page. Yeah. <laughs> We've spoken about TESP enough on this show for the last couple of weeks. Um, I but yeah, it's, I think it's important that most of industry is trying to get behind that and just raise some awareness and discussion on it. That's what it's all about. Do you think, as part of all this, Craig, you're going to have to build a solar roof somewhere on your campus? Do you think you're going to have to go to that extent? Yeah, I think we will, because one thing we want to do and what we've tried to do is if we're going to do something, we need to do it properly and not be doing it half bodged and half fixed. I'd rather we've got the right equipment and the right facilities, which we we try and demonstrate relatively publicly that, you know, if we've got growth or we've got a new avenue we're going down, we try and get something built, which obviously you came and helped us with and Neil designed for us. It's solar is going to be the next step. I actually have got to install my first air source heat pump in a couple of weeks time so that'll be interesting to see how that goes into the sort of show home that we've got in the college and put that together and see if i can bend this plumber's pipe stuff they talk about <laughs> well listen if they can bend it anyone can let's have it right <laughs> you know what I mean? if they can do it anyone can <laughs> this is so true they only end up plumbers because they can't be electricians we all know that yeah right but below Foreign the engineers, side. security and entry, then then plumbers. <laughs> <laughs> but the other side of it is there's going to have to be a big push from the government that teachers are going to have to be upskilled. Yes. And yeah. what's been really positive is there's starting to be a bit of a move on that. So my college is in partnership on a grant that we've just received from the GLA, which is Greater London, um, to put all my guys back on site for four days to make sure that they go and still have hands-on time on tools every year to make sure they're still working through that process. And wow, people, that's really interesting, that is, yeah. People will argue that, oh, well, four days, what's that do? But at the minute, up until now, there's been no requirements. So someone could be in a college for 50 years and never enter a building site again. Surely four days is a start, and then we can keep to grow and move forwards on that and... Yeah, you also, remember, nice you, you also got to remember you've got to teach as well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think that's a great initiative just to get a flavour of it and see what's going on. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. So that's been uh, the GLA of uh, the Greater London Authority, that, isn't it? They've, they've rolled that out to all the colleges in their area, have they? Well, it's not gone to all the colleges, and I don't know the exact detail, but we were part of a bid and we were successful in the bid for some of the things that we've been doing currently i don't know whether we're a pilot or a trial or how it will roll out as a wider plan but it's something that we've received now so that basically if i send one of my teachers out for four days they've gave a pot of money that i can use to put somebody else in the classroom for the four days whilst i've got somebody out on site sort of thing so that's awesome. and it's just it's small steps but it's the same with this apprenticeship i think it's small steps but moving towards the right idea because mm. I suppose my question would be, if it's not this, then what is it that helps move forwards on standards? Well, mm. you're never, you're never going to unite electricians. That is just not going to happen. Um, so TESP can just forget that. But you've got to look at the majority and sort of say, right, well, you know what? Because you're going to get people that go, um, domestic, domestic installs are not electricians. All right, then we'll put them on a three-year apprenticeship um, We'll train them really well to be domestic installers over three years, but we're not. We're just going to cut out all the stuff and like not to use it. Probably going to use trunking and ladder rack and all that sort of stuff, right? So we'll do away with that. 
Oh, no, no, you're either all nothing. You're either all nothing. Okay, so we're going from five weeks to three years and you're not happy. So you're never going to be happy, are you? You're never going to be happy. You know, and most of these people don't even work in the domestic sector anyway, so I don't know what they're worried about. Yeah, you're just not going to please any of the... You're just not going to happen, like you said. It just won't. We'll find a reason to argue about using a washer on a screw the right way around. So you know? true. <laughs> so true. I seen one the other day about do you put the nut on the outside or the inside of the trunk in? And I was just like, I give up. Well, the SWA nut. No, no, just a normal sort of... If you're bolting two bits of trunk in together to extend your run, do you put the nut on the outside or the inside? That's <laughs> tough. That's <laughs> I've always been nuts out. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what. If you're a nuts in, nuts out person, you're installing the wrong deck for Bolt. That's the reality. <laughs> that is very true, actually. Because you want the right length for Bolt, so you've got those, that stupid thing sticking out. Yes. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, you're making a good point. So do you think this is going to have some buy-in as well from the colleges then, Craig? Because at the minute, when you enrol a student, you're getting four years of funding, I would expect, are you? Is this going to be a shorter, a less amount of funding that you would receive? Do they give any indication of that as yet? It, it will be, but less funding or shorter timescales equals less cost, right? So it will balance itself out across the course of the programme mm. anyway. Arguably, you can run more apprenticeships over a period of 12 years if you've got three-year programs and you can if you've got four-year programs the the cost and the income to a college will be probably exactly the same because you either run more apprenticeships if there's a higher demand for it or people won't want to buy into it and they'll go on to the longer program but either way it's one for one if you like because funding is funding for each year that somebody's in programming in college so it's for so me, it's kind of a null and void yeah. angle. That's good. That's good. So that's a good point I want to probe on. So you've got basically a one-year difference, and this is obviously all penciled in at the moment, and this is firmed up. So you've got one one-year difference. Why would how how so if we if we say your college is the average college around the world around the country, yeah. right? How many people would you need enrolled onto a domestic three-year apprenticeship? To warrant your college offering that as a as a as an option, a ballpoint figure, five, ten, fifteen, twenty. Averagely, our apprenticeship class sizes are somewhere between sort of eight and fifteen students. And that is based on the full scope for year one at the moment, is it? Yeah, but the funding for them coming in would be exactly the same. So you would arguably just start more groups if there was a higher demand because. You've got to get the balance right with apprenticeships, which is different to sort of study programmes, which are full-time learners. On apprenticeships, we've got to match across the course of the three or four years that fits with the employers that are coming in and the employers are signing up to the agreement at the same time. So it's we, we effectively as a college have a free reign to be able to start as many courses, as many groups, as many students as we see fit as per our business planning but and could you run them together could you run them not together side by side would you be able to have the retail space in your in your uh not retail place space the wrong word yeah we, we have the facilities but mm. the so if you took you know if you took two full-time members of staff which is what we're effectively looking at in this process you would have one of them who was teaching sort of the five days in the college of 
different groups each day because one thing that's quite clear is you can't teach year one and year two and year three apprentices together because they're all at such different mm -hmm. parts of the journey that doesn't matter what apprenticeship you're on that's just the rules so you'd arguably have a teacher doing the domestic apprenticeship year one class on a monday a year two class on a tuesday uh, apprenticeship as we know it now year one on a wednesday a year two on a thursday a year three on a friday and you're easily covering a cost of an individual staff member there and you have somebody else going out and visiting them on site and doing all their on-site bits when they're not in college. I wonder if they could rewrite the whole MVQ system for electrics and have it so year one and year two was together and then you'd go to year three and three, four for your for your further assessments of to get your commercial industrial gold card. So you could have year one and year two all training together and the domestic would fall out at the end of year two, for example. I know it's a three-year one, but I was trying to think what you could do, what takes three years in a domestic setting. Now, I'm going to get a load of hate for that. But I don't <laughs> understand what takes... There's got to be more than... How many how, how many lessons in, a, in an academic year, approximately? Oh, they do, they do four lessons a day, one day a week if they're an apprentice, so 36 weeks a year. So 36, so 36 days extra to get a full scope. Why would you just not do full scope? Because what well, what we find at the minute is people can't hit that criteria. And ah, that's work experience. Problem. So if someone goes, and obviously Nick Bundy is probably one of the most popular examples with Adam as his apprentice, if all Adam ever does is domestic inside the houses, and I'm not knocking Nick or Adam, I think they're great, is how is Adam then, is he going to get past to, I don't know, you or Mark, for example, and you're going to take him for a period of time just so he can install containment, just so he can get his gold card that he's probably mm. never going to actually use. And I think I, hear, point. I hear stories all the time about people that say, all I ever do is containment on my apprenticeship or I don't get to second fix or I don't get to test or I don't get to do this or that. Big problem. It's a big and problem. That, and that becomes why we struggle to teach the years and things together would be because we might have 10 students on the course, but one of them has only ever done containment. One of them's only ever been allowed to touch a tester. One of them's only ever been allowed to, you know, go and do second fixing. One of them's never been allowed to do anything. And it's trying to balance the delivery of apprenticeships across the scope of 10 different people with 10 different companies with 10 different skill sets. That's such a good point in terms of, yeah, if you, if you are just a company, and there'll be huge companies that just do this that just do new build or just do rewires and that's their special it's like rewires scotland's another example um i don't know nothing about their history or what they do but just because the, the what the, the, the posts they make that like it's just a major just a rewire company you know they would struggle to have apprentices fulfill the criteria as we currently know it in november 2021 to meet that gold card so this is a way of recognising other people that can specialise in domestic only. My fear is that you're going to get the wage further suppressed across the industry. I think that's going to concern a lot of people. Uh, there is a skill shortage at the moment in the electrical industry, as far as my experience is. I don't think I've ever experienced... I mean, there's a people shortage... Loads of people want to do electrics, but there's a real skill shortage, especially in my sector. Um, and I'm losing out to railway electricians through agency working for £13.50 a day. 
mm. you know, and I can't compete with that. And I don't want to compete with that. And I will not compete with that. But that, without going into specifics, that is a direct result of short course qualified masquerading in a sector they should not be masquerading in. Mm. Um, and that's affecting, and people will say stay in your lane, people don't stay in your lane um, because agencies don't care. They will give a job to anyone who's got, um, they're, not, they're not trained or they don't want to be trained in what City Guild's numbers means. They've got no idea what City Guild's ABC means or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven mean. No idea. It says electrical installation on it. There you go, Mr. Client. It's got, I've got four electricians for you, 20 pound an hour. They're going to pay them 15 pound an hour and, um, and they're going to work and they're going to, they're going to, depending on what sort of work they're doing and what sort of protection they've got, um, they're going to get away with it. I've, I've known people doing this for years, years and years and years and years and years and years. And years. Um, so it does have wide reaching um, ramifications in terms of the rate. And I think mm. that will concern a lot of electricians. Yeah, rightly so. I think the gatekeeping on where this defined goal card can extend into has got to be there. So we've got to stop those people who will try and um, push through agency labour into places they shouldn't be. There has to be better gatekeeping on that already. We're already seeing the problem. You're experiencing it, Neil, so it's already happening. Yeah. If we can make people aware that, you know, there is this domestic standard and, you know, there is huge potential at the minute. There's going to be a massive growth in demand for people to work in the domestic sector on decent money. So you might see the problem sort of naturally starts to sort itself out. You know, people aren't looking to get onto sites maybe who when they shouldn't be because they've got an opportunity to work in the area that they trained for. You know, that's 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 the idea. And, and Craig's point you just made there was such a good one again. Um, you know, too right. I totally agree with you, mate. Um, you've nailed a couple of things tonight, to be fair mm. to you. Yeah, you have. Oh, I think wow. Inputs, but no, it's experience <laughs> and competence and it's, it's your day job, isn't it? You know what I mean? This is, this is what's good and... and it's been I've gone on a journey on this and I still don't know if I'm decided and I, I, whether it's, I think I'm more in the positive folder than the negative folder but as with everything you're going to have good points bad points and, and indifferent points and I'm certainly going to give my feedback and I'm going to be open and honest and respectful and then leave it and see what happens see where it goes and I'm not set because I don't have the detail I think the concept is good but I'm you know I want to know the detail about it. But for me, I think if I go into a housing development or on a site, if they're working on new builds, then knowing that someone, because they've just announced every house has to have an EV charger for next year, haven't they? Yeah. And the amount of dodgy EV installs we see flying <laughs> in the industry at present, I just think if somebody spent time and all they ever then go and do, and I don't mean all they ever buy a skills point, but if that's what they install as EV for the rest of their lives and they do it well, and someone does so well for the rest of their lives and they've properly trained in those specific avenues, DC battery storage is going to be a huge one as well. Mm. It's, I, I don't think one person can fit all of those hats to what I would deem a competent standard across all of it. I disagree. I think I think people can, but they've got to have that fundamental basic skill set. Um, an EV charger, I love this it's basically just a radial circuit. It was smart yeah. thing at the end. It's very very simple. Um, I think the danger comes is when we teach people to install an EV charger. So um, I saw it on a video just last night where a young apprentice is uh, installing an EV charger, and I was thinking, does he know why he's installing a six mil? 
Does he know that? Does he has he thought about the load, or is he just are we always install six mils? Then you get to a stage where you're not teaching someone how, you're just teaching them to do. Monkey see, monkey do. And uh, I think if if you have that fundamental basic knowledge that electrical that a quality four year four year apprenticeship backed up by the theoretical knowledge in college builds for you, then you can be like I don't need to go on a solar course to know how to do solar. I need to go on a solar course to know how to fix things and bolt things because I've never done it before. The physics and the science is easy. It's easy. There's a wealth of information out on every single inverter you could ever want to. How many more YouTube videos you can shake a stick at? It's very simple. It's plug and play this stuff today. Um, I need the skill set to physically install it, you know. And I think you can if you get if you have a basic. I'm, ra I'm rambling a bit here. Sorry. <laughs> if you have a basic, good core skill set, um, then you can branch off into these things and get a good knowledge of them. Like, that's my opinion anyway. But, but you sorry, but Greg, you're, go on. Sorry, Mark. I was going to say, but you're doing that, Neil, with X amount of years of industry experience and running your own company and training blocks up and everything else. You're not looking at that having done 12 weeks and then going and standing on somebody's roof and... No, 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 no. In case I was confused, I'm definitely not saying someone can go on a 12-week course and do that. Then someone can go on a 12-week course and do that. You need that for... You need that roughly about... I think the apprenticeship system as it is is pretty bang on. Um, and I'm glad people are not meeting that. I'm glad it, that they're not just pushed through, if you know what I mean. Um I think every single bolt-on qualification should be denied to anyone who doesn't have the fundamental knowledge uh, that an electrician needs. I don't think it should be allowed. 2396, 2391, um, all solar courses. You should not be allowed to sit on that solar course unless you understand what's the possible. You, you cannot teach in five days or four days. You, you cannot teach the science and principles behind cable installation. Oh, no. cannot be done this is okay. why we see the problem on ev don't it this is why we see yeah. the problems we do because that's yeah. what's happening <laughs> yeah because you're going well, all i gotta do is install a six mil from there to there put something on the end to it sit a 45 minute manufacturer's video cpd competent competent but, but the the point for me on that is when you actually go through the and so my day is spent going through specs of qualifications because I'm that exciting. All of them actually do stipulate you must hold a level three NVQ to be taking part in this course. It's just not enforced. Mm. So yeah. I never knew out, that. It's mm -hmm. out there in the specs and the qual handbooks, all the qualification handbooks to every course are available to every Joe public on any website or city and guilds and things. Mm -hmm. And they all talk about competence in there and what you should have to enter the course. But the problem comes when someone comes and says, well, I'll pay a thousand pound if you don't check what I've got. Like, and I'm not digging out EV course. I'm not digging out EVs. Just in general, you go on a two day course and it says you can do domestic and commercial installation of EV chargers. Well, I would argue that domestically, probably, yes, it's very straightforward and simple. Commercially, if you've got to install, I don't know, Aldi car park and you've got to fit 20 DC chargers and everything else and dig up all their car parks, you don't learn that in a two-day course. And I think that's... If it's a white trace car park, you'd have been on a four-year apprenticeship. <laughs> but I think you've had a bit about that recently as well, haven't you, Mark, about people having the rights to go on courses and quals and 
Yeah, I've been banging the drum about that the last week or so. And it's because we see it with EVs. People do go and do these two courses. It's not just EV stuff. It is testing inspection as well and wiring regs, but specific at the minute. And the domestic lash-ups you see going on out on jobs is awful. And it's people who don't know how to drill holes through walls properly even. It's like yeah. the nuts and bolts of getting on someone's roof. They've not worked in construction. They don't understand these things. They've just taken a little EV course and think that they can go off into someone's home and start installing um, straight off the bat. Um, and there's lots of mistakes that are made. You know, you're seeing these lash-ups in meter cabinets, um, cables just slung around outside on, and just laid on the ground. Um, there's some really, really awful installations that are going on, and it's not been done by electricians. These are people who've done specific two to four day training courses after maybe having done a domestic electrician course, uh, and they're off installing electric vehicle charge points that aren't fit the standard. Right. I'm going to draw this to a close, Dad, because we've got some good stuff there, and I think we could probably do another podcast on specialisms. <laughs> Because we're talking about some good stuff here. It's the end of the podcast and everyone's turned off. All yeah. four of them turned off already. So um, let's wrap it up here. So that, Craig, final thoughts, good, bad or indifferent on a domestic only apprenticeship? Uh, I think it's got the possibility to be good. I just want to see the meat on the bones as to what it entails. Marcus? I would agree with that. I think there's, there's great potential there. We do need to see the detail. The poll on Instagram, 122 people are voting for yes, it's a good idea, and 46 for no, it's a bad idea. If I ask the same question on Twitter, it'd be the other way around. <laughs> Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> uh, uh, the jury's out with me. Um, I think, no, it's not out. I think I'm probably 90-10 in favour of upskilling people, um, but it comes with caveats. We need the CPSs bought in. No, they need to stop recognising the uh, anything other than, than the domestic, domestic apprenticeship. If they're going to offer a domestic only route to to be on their on their register, um, we need better um, better awareness that uh, or, or more industry pressure on people that are offering short, uh, bolt-on qualifications to people that are not qualified. Um, but this is for me, it's a huge step forward. It's a huge step forward. But as with every huge step forward, you're going to tread on a few people. That's going to happen. So. But for the good of the industry, if that's what we all care about, I'm sure we do, then uh, we'll have to, have to accept a few sacrifices, I think, along the way. Yeah, On that note, everyone, see you later. Ta-da. Thank you. Bye-bye.